Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Soccer America, the soccer paper of record. Go to SoccerAmerica.com and sign up for your subscription today. More information on all our sponsors at OverTheBall.com slash sponsors. Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn and Dave Gallego. Uh, Davey, just you and I today. I like this. I was looking forward to this because we always have a guest, and that's great, and that's interesting. But there's so many things I want to talk to you about. I want to hear me talk about my opinions and hear what you have to say about the game and not these these other putzes that we have on the show. Now, we uh, it's just you and I today. We had a great interview last week with Tommy Mulroy and uh, a lot of great feedback from uh, Tommy. I think uh, it was fun to uh, go back through memory lane for me, but also to remind some people, you know, what has come before them. So, uh, so a bunch happening for us to talk about today. I think the biggest news that I want to talk about is Jurgen Klopp. He's leaving. I mean, um, I was my neighbor here in, in the, in Los Angeles, he was walking his dog and his head was down and I go, Hey Ben, what's up? And he goes, what do you mean? What's up, man? I kind of lost a family member this morning. I go, what? He goes, Klopp. He's leaving. I said, he's, I'm, he goes, I'm devastated. Liverpool, they've lived up to their greatness, and now Klopp's leaving. But, you know, Dave, uh, I, I'll tell you about it a little bit. But, man, he looks tired. It's, there's a lot of pressure to maintain that. And uh, he's had a couple of different lineups over the last few years, and they've all done well. So, um, boy, what a great job reestablishing that team as a world powerhouse. Yeah, no, he's so excited. Like you alluded to, he looks tired. He stated that. He was running out of energy, and he said that he may never, ever manage soccer, football ever again. So, very interesting. You know, it's funny, though, because, I, you know, you never really know the true story unless you're behind closed doors. So, according to sure. the Daily Mail in the UK, Rafa Benitez has actually suggested that he has inside knowledge of what prompted Klopp's uh, shock decision to step down at the end of the, uh, end of the season. Oh, so, please. What but, was uh, it? Yeah, we'll find out. Who who knows? And then you also oh. have uh, you also have Xavi Hernandez leaving Barcelona. He uh, and he announced his decision after they got beat by Villarreal five to three. Uh, they're now ten points behind Real Madrid, and uh, he basically states because of his love for the club, he's stepping down too. So well, crazy. Here's the thing that I have with Barcelona. It's almost like I have it with New England Patriot fans. They're complaining now about Belichick and the Patriot. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and I've mentioned this that before, but look. Xavi won the title last year, but with a sort of a defensive mindset, which people thought Xavi would come in and they'd have this possession kind of tiki-tack, tiki-tack football again. Um, so it's almost like Xavi couldn't win because he wins the title last year playing a sort of a defensive brand of football for Barcelona. And then he makes some changes with his center back positions to be more offensive minded and they give up more goals. And now they're 10 points behind and now they leave. So it's almost like the Brazilians, you know, they used to say, we don't care if we win. We want to win, but we want to win the right way and play creatively. You know, not like that old Italian style where you just pack the box. So feel bad for Xavi. So what do you think, Dave? Do you think Xavi's going to Liverpool? Uh, I don't, uh, well, I think Alonso is going to go to Liverpool. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that's, what the, that's the money's on him, I guess, yeah. right now. But, you know. I got to say, when I first started doing this show um, on Sirius XM FC, uh, working for a guy who knew nothing about um, soccer, really, but uh, I said to myself, I'm not going to root for a particular team. 
because I want to be sort of wear that journalist hat. And um, yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, man, you. I go, yeah, man, you was like rooting for the Yankees back then. And everything. so I said, you know what, I'm just going to watch Premier League football and see what hits me. And what hit me was Jurgen Klopp's brand of football because uh, I never saw strikers, you know, centers, like, you know, forward strikers, like to ever work that hard off the ball. Sadio Mane and uh, Firmino and, and, and um, Mo Salah, you know, they're working their ass off. Now you have uh, Luis doing it and um, and Darwin Nunes, you know, so it's like, I loved that. And they, they hustle, they check back for each other um, and they win. I, lo- I love the way they play. I really do. They play a great brand of football. And I just, I suddenly was yeah. like, I'm a Liverpool fan. It took about five, six years, but, uh, and this is before they were winning really, but um you know, I just thought I like the way they play. I like what he's got got him doing. Yeah, well, plus it's nice that they once had the uh, the name back in the eighties and late seventies right. that they dominated, and then they were really down for a while. So it's nice to see them almost as an from an underdog role coming back up to the like the phoenix rising. So uh, yeah, I can understand the allure there. Now here's my dream. You know, I've always dreamed of either Pep or or um, Jurgen Klopp taking over the U.S. men's national team, sort of a um, you know, uh, their last job in the game. And right. I, because I think, I think more than Pep, I think uh, Klopp, his style with American athleticism and a budding skill set that they now have, these players, um, I think he'd get a lot of the U.S. men's national team. I think he would like to coach a team like that. So that's my hope. That's my dream. Maybe in the next cycle or Burhalter kind of screws the pooch here and, um, Loses some games and he gets replaced, but I'd love to see Klopp. But uh, what a great, uh, you know, what a great run! Uh, no, I agree with you. That would be great to have him. I mean, of course, you still need the horses uh, to to play, and you know the United States is still lacking in in in, in a couple of areas, and we're going to touch on goalkeeping in a minute. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's like when when Bora Miljatinovic when he became the U.S. coach. He, yeah, this guy he couldn't lose. I mean, he was just a winner wherever he went, and then he really couldn't do it with the U.S. because, again, he didn't have the horses. Now, fast forward to 2024. Yeah, we have the players, but still, we're still not quite not quite there yet. Yeah. Hey, you can I always mean, dream. Yes and no, but I think that sort of high press that he does, because, look, that that, that uh, midfield that we have, and we'll talk about Giorana in a second as well, um, you know, they kind of got four guys vying for those spots, but um, they, they, they maintained possession in the midfield, which earlier U.S. teams did not do. We were always good in the back defensively. We worked hard uh, and had good goalkeepers, uh, you know, uh, world class, really. Um, and so we stayed in games. And I think now, you know, uh, we, we've controlled possession and a lot of things that we didn't do in earlier incarnations of a U.S. men's national team. So I don't know. I tend to, to disagree a little bit um, on that. I think we have the horses now. It's just how you implement and utilize them. And you know what, Davey, I've always said this. You know, the Premier League's played at such a high level. You know, Serie A, Ligue they all are. But something about the World Cup, it's a young man's game. Because I think these seasoned pros always get the spots, and they're beat up from their domestic season. And they, they don't have the juice to play in a World Cup. It's such intense, high intensity, and so frequently. So I think, yeah. and it's going to be here. I mean, I don't know. I'm feeling good about this team this time. Right. Well, we'll see. I, I like your enthusiasm and your optimism. And I'm going to share in the optimism because um, it's going to be a very special event. All right. So um, to say the least, really. But um, so, yeah, we have a concern about the goalkeeping situation. Matt Turner, um, you know, has just not 
really taken it to the next level. He's come up with some big, big saves over the years. He he worked himself basically in a starting position because Zach, uh, you know, Stefan, I was going to say Zach Efron. I did a movie with him. <laughs> Zach Stefan, um, you know, was it was his job to lose and he lost it. You know, he lost it by going to Man City and not playing basically and then making a few errors. Matt Turner came in and did, did the job, but his development seemed to be stymied a little bit. So he was with Arsenal, and many skeptics say that he should have stayed there in a backup role, but I believe that I'd much rather be playing all the time, even if you play uh, for a lesser squad. So, look, watching Nottingham Forest, I mean, I'm a Matt Turner fan, I'm an American fan, American player fan. Watching him, I mean, he's made some great saves, but look, he's made some unfortunate gaffes that have really uh, surprised me, shocked the heck out of me. And, yeah. you know, quite frankly, uh, and this is what you and I are going to be covering right now, is the fact that what once was a strength, the American goalkeeper, has now become uh, a source of mediocrity. I mean, you take a look at who we had. I mean, yeah. we had Tony Miola, who I always had great faith in and felt that he would keep us in every game. Then you had Casey, you had Brad, you had Tim. I mean, you know, you're talking about Casey Keller single-handedly kept us in the game against Brazil. I mean, in 1998, Friedel sure. uh, in, in 2002, um, Tim Howard, 16 saves against Belgium. Uh, now I, I can't say that. Yeah, and you, you forgot uh, Sylvester Stallone in the movie Victory. I mean, Victory, yes, absolutely. I was going to get to that. What an yeah, idiot. Said, my, that one. my father... <laughs> We saw my father and I saw that three times. By the way, it was, it was a great movie. Uh, it was a great movie, uh, though he looked kind of pathetic. But anyway, um, I have a theory as to why this is the way it works. So, um, so t- tell me, what's your theory as to why U.S. men's national team keepers are not uh, cream of the crop anymore? I'm scratching my head on that one. Not, I don't know. I mean, it, it's unusual. I'll, I'll tell you why. I, this is my theory, and it. It's all Premier League. If you look at Allison, or, you know, a lot of keepers. You are now, a goalkeeper is literally a sweeper keeper. So he's he's playing in the back. And he's the last line of defense. Look how far off his line Allison comes to play the ball and distribute, you know, to, to switch play and everything. One of the problems that the U.S. men's keepers have had, and even the guys you're talking about, Friedel got better at it. Keller always struggled a little bit um, with his feet. Um who else? Yeah, so Brad Friedel, uh, uh, Tim Howard, you know, it's not, they were a little, uh, and, and, and t- uh, Matt Turner, same thing, not great with his feet. He gets a little bit of the, um, you know, jumpy legs there when, when defenders press him and, and they pressure him. And I think that, that was been the early rap on Matt Turner. He's, he gave a couple of balls away. So does Zach Steffen, some bad goals. And, um, yeah, he's given some real head scratchers away for Nottingham Forest, but I think well, yeah, okay, but uh, that's fine, and, and you know the the strategies are changing, and the goalie is becoming a lot more um, part of the uh, part of the game in terms of uh, you know they can play the ball with their feet now. But the United States, they didn't employ that strategy, and he wasn't that he wasn't great in the last World Cup. Yeah, but I mean, I, I still am saying you know playing it back to your keeper is a big part of the world game now. Um, oh, I understand. And, I, are, and as it comes back, saying, you know, yeah. they get they get they get they get chippy. Like it's like a quarterback with with the uh, you know uh, what do they call it restless leg syndrome. You know they just start jumping around, yeah. and you can tell he doesn't want the ball at his feet. Allison gets the ball at his feet, and he's like a player. You know, yeah. he's like a player. And him and Van Dyke they're playing ball square balls to each other. You know, right. so anyway, I I hope uh, we've always wanted 
field players, midfielders, creative box-to-box guys in the, you know, uh, that we should develop here in this country because we weren't developing them before. I think we've, we've developed some great midfielders now, good, good midfielders, let's say. And Tyler Adams, you know, I think he's, you know, he, he was doing it uh, one more tackles than anybody else in the Premier League. You know, so it's, it's, uh, we've developed some good midfielders. But, yeah, I'd like to see us get back to – because the goalkeeper, it's almost like hockey. It changes the dynamic of the game. You know, they yeah. can keep you in games. It wins you championships. No, well, like for the past two decades, the U- U.S. goalkeeper was the best player on the field for us. Well, unless you or I were out there kicking it around. Um, well, well, yeah, but that goes without saying. Come on, buddy. So you were uh, we were talking before we got on air about the transfer market. You're a little you're a little perturbed about it. You're a little uh, you're kind of head scratching, huh? Oh no! I'm actually I'm just I'm more surprised because I don't pay attention to the lesser divisions and the transfer window during the transfer t- uh, window t- uh, time. But I'm taking a look at some of these numbers, and St. Louis City sent one of their players, Nicholas Giacchini, to uh, the uh, second division in Italy, Como, for two million dollars. That's major, major, major wood. And then even Division Two in Denmark, they're paying a Vancouver Whitecaps player four hundred thousand pounds. So I mean euros, excuse me. Yeah. So, and I'm only bringing these up because they're going to lesser divisions. So there is major, major, major money, even in the lesser yeah. divisions. Well, look, you know, you th- you think about the Premier League, and this is why I always get on the English about their attitude with the game. It's all game. It's all game. We invented it. We made it world famous. It's like, yes, I think it's the best league in the world, the Premier League. But the best players in the Premier League aren't English, so they're right. importing all these players from all these different countries, and I think. Uh, American players are getting over there earlier, and they're a pretty sound investment at this point. So um, I was really impressed with this kid, Kevin Paredes. Uh, he played, you know, he's he's been capped a couple times for the U.S. men's national team, and um, playing for Wolfsburg, scored a goal, almost had a second one the other day. But I like the way he plays. He plays on the outside in the midfield, and uh, on the left side, I think. And basically, he goes forward, man. He attacks the ball. So uh, I really like to watch him. And this is. This is the great time, uh, you know, between World Cup cycles, Dave, where we get to watch these young players come out of nowhere, and suddenly uh, you looking them up right now. We can hear your keys typing, dude. There's a, yeah, because there's a younger there's a younger player that I just saw in the U20 World Cup, and I forgot his name. I think it's Jack O'Neill, Jack O'Reilly. Does the name sound familiar? Jack O'Lantern, I think, is what you were going. Jack O'Lantern, that's it. Yeah, he's particularly big. He's he's good in October. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But you can always you always know where he is to pass him the ball because he's glowing. Um, <laughs> he gets carved up from time to time, though. Yeah, he gets, he gets carved up. There you go, touche, Dave. Jack um, Jack Mc, Jack McGlynn is his name. Jack McGlynn. This guy was outstanding. He's a, he's a name to keep uh, to keep on your radar. Jack McGlynn. I think I got in a bar fight with him. That would be uh, Jack McGlynn. So uh, a Philly boy. Philly, Philly boy. boy. I probably did then. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Kevin Reyes. I've been watching him, and then um, Brandon Vasquez. You know, he scored on his first start uh, for Los Reados, which is great, and then he uh, scored two more. So um, I think for Brandon, that that is a a great move to go to Mexico. He's going to um, get a lot of minutes, build up his confidence, come back, and make that um, you know that center forward position make it uh, you know something where they all challenge each other. He's got to move Dude, himself is, up is that Mexico, chart. Is Mexico an upgrade over the MLS though? Are they what? You said he's going to Mexico. Is that yeah. is that an upgrade over the MLS? Uh, I'd say they're pretty much on par. Yeah, so why would he just yeah. stay in the States? Well, I, I think, I don't know. They play a different brand of football, and I think I think it will benefit him. 
as well. I mean, he speaks Spanish as well. I think his parents are Mexican. So, um, and he's a, he's a good player, good, strong target man. Um, you know, we have some options up there. It's just a matter of who's peaking when, and that's what you want. That's what you want. It's like, you want to have five great strikers, but who's peaking at the time when the yeah, world yeah. cup comes and that's the guy who gets picked. Yep. Um, speaking of which, Gio Reyna, everybody's looking at that situation. Um, tell you my problem with Gio. Uh, he gets hurt a lot. First of all, mm-hmm. we call it, you know, you, we, players, we call them China dolls, guys who are always in the trainer's room. Uh, and that's no slight against him because you look at, uh, you know, Polisic is thin, spindly, kind of wiry. And so is, um, so is Gio. So Gio does some magical things on the ball. He really does. He sees things that other players do not see. He creates things that others do not see. But he has always struggled for playing time. And I right, think well, there, yeah, in problem, Germany. Yeah, well, in Germany. And, you know, Germany's where you get your minutes, you know, before yeah. moving to another league. So, yeah. you know, my concern is he's not consistent. I think sometimes Gio is on the ball and he does something amazing. And then you just don't see him for 25 minutes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you know, I alluded to this on the last podcast, or maybe the one prior, and and the club director, he basically said it doesn't, I'm paraphrasing, he basically said it doesn't help to bitch. So, again, you have to question his attitude, and again, I've never met the man, but what goes on behind the scenes, I'm not privy to, but between that and the and the awful proceedings that happened with the World Cup and, and Bert Halter, I mean, you really have to wonder what this kid's mental makeup is, um, what his psyche is like. Is he a detriment to the team? I mean, I enjoy watching the guy when he's on the field, but I, I, I kind of wonder. Thoughts? Well, here, yeah, here's the thing. I mean, with that, yeah, that was a really, really bad situation that happened at the last Cup. And, and the history that Claudia has with the, with the U.S. Men's National Team, he's one of the greatest players we've ever had. Uh, they've gone through some difficult family situations uh, that aren't even – involved with this whole last mess that they were on, you know, some, um, you know, they lost loved ones to COVID and, and, you know, I think a lot of these young players are not ready to leave their mom's apron strings, you know? And I think, my God, I I remember, you know, if, if my mom or dad had ever gotten involved in anything I was doing on a college level or high school level, never mind on a professional level, I would have lost my shit. I, I would be, I'd look for new parents. I'd, I'd call myself an orphan and try to get adopted because I don't want them involved in anything. And, you know, it's one of the things I say about, like, when I saw Michael Bradley first playing for the Metro Stars at the time, I was like, oh, come on, man. Coach's kid gets to ride. And then I watched him. He worked his ass off. He hustled. He kept his mouth shut. Um, and he worked really hard. And I watched him improve incredibly, exponentially over the course of a couple of years and became legit, man, a real player. Now, a yeah, young guy Kev, like that. Kev, Kev, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. just while it's still fresh in my mind, there there are no Nepo babies in professional sports. I mean, you want to talk about singing, acting, yeah, Nepo babies all day long. When it comes to sports, if you're not one of the best 11 out there, you ain't playing. Or well, here's NBA, my point, though. If you're not one of the top five, you're not playing. Here's my point, though. I would always go, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, because I would always go to a tryout or something, and I'd see the guy with the all the fancy boots and the long hair and the poser, I would call him and say like, oh man, you can, you can talk about how great you are all you want. It was like actors. That's what they do. They talk about how great they are. And then, you know, and they, they're like you're doing their own PR. And what I loved about soccer was, yeah, you can shoot your mouth off. You can do this, get the best of everything. But guess what? At the end of the day, 
22 guys jump on a pitch and there is nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. My, exactly. my only point was with someone like Bob Bradley, his father, you know, Michael is, is exposed to the best coaching from the very beginning of his life, right? He's hanging out on the sidelines, collecting balls when his father's coaching this team. And he's on the side and he's playing with college kids when he's in eighth grade. And he's, you know, he's so he's exposed to an awful lot of great, great things. And I think if you're the son of Claudio Reyna or the son of Bob Bradley, you're going to get an inside scoop on some of the best facilities, the best training, and it's part of your life. Um, you know, my father didn't know anything about the game and every little thing I tried to learn, I was just like squeezing juice to try and figure out what this game was. Um, so that's what I mean. I mean, Claudia has probably really advised him and, and, you know, moved him through this and his mom was a player as well. And so, you know, you have a young kid who, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the word is uh, like soccer helicopter parents a little bit, but I think young man goes over there like Landon Donovan, you go over there. It's very lonely. It's, it's different, man. It, it really is. And you're 19. You know? uh, I get it. I yeah. absolutely get it. And, you know, perhaps that's a microcosm of what's going on within today's society with the helicopter parents, because when you and I, and again, I want to, I don't want to sound like an old man, but uh, I have too to late, said, too, late. Uh, too late. I mean, <laughs> when we were, you know, when we were kids, I mean, your parents didn't know where you were during the day. My parents didn't know where I was, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? We survived and we learned about life. And I'm not saying that I would handle Giorena's situation in Germany any better, but based on what you what you hear, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I just think that, uh, you know, he has a lot of maturing to do. And if he stays in Germany or goes to Spain or goes to wherever, he's going to have an issue. Right. And, you know, and to your point, to further that, um, you you cannot complain, especially what he just went through at the World Cup. Where everybody was saying That's the wrong saying. things, and who said what? Exactly. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but even if that didn't happen, Dave, uh, it makes me feel like he didn't quite learn his lesson. It's like, keep your mouth shut. It, you know, we talked about Tom Brady. Mom and Dad, Mom and Dad won't shut up either. Right. Even you know, you about know, playing, like, you know it's like you, you know, you're bringing you're, you're bringing your parents to a job interview. Yeah. Come on. Stop. I, you know, I, I I really like Claudia. I've known her for a long me time. Too. It's like uh, you know, it's it's difficult because it's your kid. I know. Um, you know, I have seen parents, when it comes to your children, it's it's amazing. We act like assholes sometimes. So we all do it, perhaps. I'm not sure. But, um, uh, you know, I say, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about youth coaching. And, it, you know, it all starts there. And and have you coached youth teams? Oh, yeah. I've coached youth teams forever. And I had a heck of a lot of fun. And just being the parent of, of athletic kids, you know, every parent, a lot of parents, if not every parent, are guilty of basically <laughs> wanting their kids to succeed to the point where it makes the parent look good, which is unhealthy. And I was guilty right. of, of, of having that mentality for a long time. And then I, finally, I slapped myself in the face and said, what am I doing? Because it was just nauseating because every parent was like that. So I finally stepped back and realized what was going on. And it's just, you know, <laughs> that's not what it's about. Well, that's interesting because you were a parent. And you were concerned about your kid. You wanted to, you know, we had Dave Barry on the show uh, years back, the writer, Pulitzer Prize winner. And, and he said, uh, oh, yeah, my uh, soccer. He goes, um, yes, the kids, everybody wants to play center forward. That's it. All 11 kids are all, everyone's just said, you know, goal scoring center forward. But what I think is interesting, what you said there was you coach, you know, you had your own kid. And then all of a sudden you started coaching and you saw what it took, what happened, um, where all the parents are like, you know, 
I want it to be center forward or, you know, he should pass the ball more. He's scoring too much. He should share it with the other kids. I mean, parents say these bizarre things, you know, and one, one time I was saying, everybody has to go in the net. You have to coach. Everybody has to go in the net. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, Everybody's got to take yeah, their turn. Yeah, he doesn't like that pressure. I said, oh, so you'd rather another kid have to face that pressure. Okay, I get it. So yeah. as opposed to everybody facing the pressure. Well, well, that's what I was saying earlier where I talked about it, the Gio Reyna situation perhaps being a microcosm of what's going on today because <laughs> now you have – you take a look at the at the fields and you see that the kids are busy all the time. They have trainers. Then they have indoors. They have outdoors. And when I played, I had indoors-outdoors two seasons. Loved it. But, you know, a practice was once or twice a week, not, right. not, not, not including – high school or junior high school, which was every day, but, you know, kids are not left to their own devices. And you have the parents that are just drilling their kids and every parent yeah. I got, it was nauseating to, to, to realize that every single parent thinks that their kid is going to get a D1 scholarship, but they're going to go to the Olympics or they're going to go pro. And yeah. it's not just, it's just not, so, it's <laughs> not just soccer. It's every sport. It's like, dude, right. time, time out. Let's take a step back and, 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 right. and reanalyze things. That always cracks me up, too. It's like, you know, you say to the father, finally, how'd you do in high school with athletics? Well, I, I got cut from the JV miniature golf team. Uh, so, yeah, all right, well, this is your kid's turn now, so give him a shot. You know, uh, you know, my thing was when I tried to coach my daughter, I filled out the application. They asked what level I played at. When they knew I played professionally, they said, you can't coach. And I go, well, why? You know, and they're like, well, you went at too high of a level. And I'm like, I'd be the last one to push it. It's, it's the people who, who are sort of like, who don't know enough or are frustrated from their own athletic, uh, you know, career. And they want their son to, or daughter to sort of, yeah, don't make the mistakes that I made. It's like, look, it's their life. And, and, you know, though, here's the other thing, Dave, and, and you'll appreciate this. They have these private coaches, like you said, now never had one, but uh, I will tell you this, it must be, someone was asking me about it. And I said, yes, it would be valuable to have a private coaching session with your son, with a guy, with a person. Right. But, that's so nothing. What happens is it's almost like taking a guitar lesson. You take your guitar lesson with your teacher. What do you have to do? You have to go home and you have to practice what you just yeah. taught. Right? So I think a lot of these kids, like, I'm getting privately coached. It's like, okay, are you taking that knowledge and then going out in the backyard for four hours and, and doing it over and over and over again? And that might get you a D1 scholarship. But you know what? Even then, probably not. So, you know, play for it with the joy. And my, my other thing is people say, well, he's not any good. It's like, no, no, no. One or two guys are really good, usually, on your pitch, and the rest suck. And you know what? They have fun, and they play, yeah, and they learn the game. I agree. I agree. And by the way, all the money that you're investing on personal training and this and that, you know what? If you put that money aside, then you're paying for college anyway. That You don't need to worry about a D1 scholarship. <laughs> I, I have a friend that dropped so much money on his son to get a golf scholarship. He actually... He actually, the kid never worked in the summer. He's turned into a punk, by the way, because he never worked, never had any responsibility. He had, he finally, golfing in the best golf courses, hanging out with his dad's business buddies, doing all that golf world stuff. Um, father kind of makes a donation and does a few things, gets him a scholarship at a college. And the kid, first semester, flunks out. He was addicted <laughs> to Game Boy or some bullshit. And it was like, and, and I said to him, you, you spent more money trying to get him a scholarship then, you know, then it would have cost. So, and then the kid's not, he didn't earn it. You know, he didn't work. You know, it's, it's, it's pathetic. It really is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, hey, like Peter Griffin from Family Guy says, that's what really grinds my gears.
Hey, you Do I Um. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, that's 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 what's wrong. You know, I, I live next to uh, near a park here, um, and I, I see the kids with the private training, and you know, it's a, an eight-year-old boy or uh, you know a girl with a private trainer, and you know, I know when I coached in New York, I coached basketball once. You know, I played in high school basketball, so I kind of know how to play basketball. But the father comes up to me after a game, and it's eighth grade basketball, right? And he goes, why didn't you teach these guys to, to break the press? I go, to break the full court press? He goes, yeah, why didn't you teach them how to do that? I go, well, you know, because I was trying to teach them how to dribble the ball. <laughs> how to catch it without getting hit in the nuts, for God's yeah. sakes. You know, how to break the full court press. Give me a break, dude. <laughs> Did you see your son? You know, oh, God. I, I tell you this, Dave, I coached that team and. I had to cut two kids, and I, I walked into the, the, the athletic department, and I said, look, guys, it's two kids, and, you know, we're going to cut two kids out of 20? You know, he goes, well, you know, it's a problem. I'm like, yeah, I'll take them. But, you know, I'm going to sit them down and talk to them about how they didn't make the team really, but we're going to put them on and try to, you know, improve over the season. And they're like, okay, coach, okay, yeah, all right, all right, you know, great. After the first game when they, when they didn't play, both of them were waiting for me after the game. coach. You never put me in. I'm like, did didn't we have a discussion? You know. And then the father comes over. And he's like, Yeah. Why didn't my son play? I'm I'm spending seventy five grand a year for him to go to private school in Manhattan. I'm like, Yeah. Well, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at least the kid got a participation trophy, though. So that's great. Exactly. Exactly. And by the way, how about this? How about not keeping score when the kids are, you have trainers and you have all this, all this good stuff and then you don't even keep score. I mean, come on. And this is the youth of America. This is the future of our country. Ay, 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 ay. Well, I, a friend of mine, you know, I went and watched his daughter play and she was a machine. You know, she's like the girl who's taller than everybody else with the ponytail who's just blowing by everybody scoring goals. And the mothers are all in the stands and the fathers even are in the stands going, she should really pass the ball now. I'm like, I'm like, never tell a kid not to score. That's what it is, man. That's what it's all about. So, oh, uh, boy. Well, I can go on and on, but uh, this has been a, a lively discussion. Um, our future guests are going to be Tony Miola, speaking of U.S. goalkeepers. We have DraftKings that are going to be uh, on with us uh, to discuss the all the good things about uh, about online sports betting. Uh, I told you, I thought that was about uh, insulation in my attic. It was been happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Kev, how can people how can people reach us? How can people find us? Well, look, we didn't, media, do the trivia, we, got? we didn't do the trivia question uh, this week, but um, but you know, like us on Facebook. Uh, uh, what is it? T- TikTok, uh, Twitter. We're on that. <laughs> that really helps us. We put these out there. Give it a like. Give it a comment. Uh, it really helps us as we go to more and more advertisers, which we're starting to pick up. Look, the World Cup's coming here, everybody. And this this podcast is the world's game from an American perspective. Uh, Dave spent his whole life kind of in it and involved in it in, in certain areas and levels, and I have as well. Um, and so we try to talk to you about this game without an English accent. How about that? Um, and uh, and so, yeah, so, so give us a like. Um, give us a listen. And uh, and we'll get this growing even more. All right, everybody. Okay, that's all the time we have today for you on Over the Ball. For Dave Gallego, I'm Kevin Flynn, and we'll talk to you next time on OTB. 
call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247. 